And Yong, welcome to I Made a Huge Mistake, an Arrested Development Podcast. I am your host, Darren. Today, I'm joined by two guests. First of all, I have returning from all the way in season one, uh, was it like episode three episode that you were on, Matt, yes. uh, first? So this is, I think, the biggest gap between people returning, uh, and that is Matt, and I'm going to say Baturak. Close enough. Um, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> And I also have from the Various Breads and Butters podcast, uh, Ben Cohen. Hello, Ben. Hello, Darren. And today we're going to be talking about uh, Season 3, Episode 6, The Ocean Walker. Uh, first broadcast on the 5th of December, 2005, written by Jake Farrow and Sam Laybourne. I think this is their only credited episode uh, to both of them. Uh, directed by Paul Feig. He has directed many episodes of this show. It is the final episode to feature Charlie Theron, Dave Thomas, and Bob Einstein playing Rita, Uncle Trevor, and Larry Middleman. The summary is quite simple. Michael's parents disapprove of him marrying Rita until a revelation from her uncle. And that is pretty much all the episode is about. At the end of the previous episode, inconsistently, we saw Michael and Rita eloping, basically, on, on, the, on the next. And Rita um, had been... There was a medal that Uncle Trevor had shown her... And she, it was revealed in the On The Next that it was just a chocolate, uh, like a chocolate coin. Um, and she was just eating it. And that was the end. And they were off to get married. And the start of this episode, then it, that, it's as if that didn't happen. It's very, it's very kind of confusing. Um, you know, we find out that obviously Michael, uh, in a, in a kind of fit of jealousy, had reported Rita um, and she's going to be deported. And so that is the driver for this episode. Um, so, but before we get into that, I just wanted to ask Ben, as you are a, a new guest, yes. uh, when did you get into Arrested Development? Um, you know, did you watch it when it was originally on the air? Uh, you know, did you catch it on DVD or, you know, are you a latecomer? Have you only just started watching it on Netflix? Am I spoiling season three for you? No, I was an original. Uh, watched it on air. I think we missed, my wife and I maybe missed the first two or three episodes, but then from reruns at the time, uh, caught up pretty quickly and then... We were right there. What is it? 2003, four. This one is in 2005. Yeah. I have a 15 and 11 year old and they um, have a natural admiration for good sitcoms. So about three or four years ago, we were started to rewatch the, the ones that we quite like. And this is their favorite one also. So I've had many reasons to rewatch the episodes. My son is uh, 18 now. And about three years ago, we watched all the DVDs like many times through. Just it's like such a great show for everybody. And the more times you watch it, the more little things you pick up on in the background, right. like throwaway jokes. It's just super great for that. Like even watching this episode again today, right before we recorded, there was a joke I caught and I'll get into it when we get to it, where I was like, how did I not get that? Like it's been staring yeah. me in my face the whole time. It's so great. I'm astonished at, I know it's you know only a dozen or so years, so it's not it's not phenomenal like this 20 or 30 years. Then we'll see the staying power. But still, compared to something like... Uh, we, we also were rewatching Scrubs, which was contemporaneous. Like, that was running... They overlapped in time. And Scrubs doesn't really age yeah. very well, although I really appreciated it at the time. And so comparing the two, knowing that they were at the same time, I think is incredible and elevates Arrested Development even more. But, you know, let's get into the episode because it's, it's quite a compact episode. Essentially, everything is just around Michael and Rita... Uh, getting married and basically each family member figuring out <laughs> that Rita is MRF um, <laughs> and and how they kind of react to it um, you know like uh, and, and how it basically it, it, the way they react to finding this information out uh, is kind of kind of based on how their characters are um, and as as we get to each revelation, we'll kind of discuss that because I think it's interesting how each of the family members kind of handle, um, you know, the 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 kind of the way they they find out exactly what's going on with Rita. Right. Um, and obviously, the narrator already knows what's going on with Rita, so he <laughs> anytime anything happens that kind of in previous episodes would have just been a small clue towards what Rita is. The narrator starts now commenting quite heavily on the different kind of aspects of Rita. So it's quite funny to get to that. You're the most familiar with um, rewatching all of them in order. And, uh, you know, I, I rewatched them several times, but maybe not as, as uh, um, consistently. But um, does the narrator's confidence or interjections or pattern 
change or speed up over the years? Uh, not really. I'd, I mean, I'd, there's a the few episodes, you know, like the one with Scandal Makers, where he basically just spends the entire time commenting about narration. <laughs> right. Um, but in season three, I don't, I don't think it's any different. I think it's just that, you know, after the previous episode where we found out about Rita. Now it's almost as if the narrator is like the audience is on is in on what's going on with Rita, and so he he starts actively commenting on comments that Michael makes, <laughs> um, even though of course he could have known about Rita from the very beginning, but he he just you know it's almost like he played into the spy thing as the narrator, and he he kind of doesn't want to reveal the joke, right. which is kind of which is an interesting kind of meta commentary on the way the sitcom itself works. Is this episode before? when he's making commentary on the episode when they're making references to Andy Griffith. This, this is after. after. Because that's what sticks out to me is how he keeps yeah. saying like... First of all, we start off with Michael telling his parents that he's going to get married to Rita, uh, which elicits a <laughs> out of um, Lucille. Brilliant. Um, and of course, <laughs> we find out that Michael says it's because she needs a green card and then um, also that they're crazy about each other. But I love that when he says they need a green card, Lucille's like, there it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we, we get, um, we, we get the narrator here saying, you know, that she's special after Michael has said she's sweet, she's smart, she's special. We see Rita talking about how, you know, asking about if houses are hard to make and Michael talking about land. And of course she says, instead of making houses, maybe you should make land. And of course, <laughs> The narrator lets us know that Rita had only progressed mentally to the level of a first grader. Uh, and, you know, him, of course, telling us that Michael might have noticed a disability had it not been masked by her English accent. There is a reason that I signed up <laughs> specifically for this episode, and it's that exact line. Because other people that listen to this show probably know that uh, Darren and I would know each other through a popular Facebook group that we're both on. And for years, I would see you on there. And didn't know anything about you. We weren't friends. But you would comment on people's, like, their posts and just kind of, like, clarifying, like, oh, this has already been posted. Or, like, you know, just kind of doing general maintenance. And for a very long time, I was like, who is this asshole that keeps doing this? And then, like, I just, like, thought you were really, like, mean and demeaning. And then I found out you were British. And I was like, oh. And then I read everything with that accent. And I was like, oh. Oh, this sounds much better with the accent. Oh, I get it now. And so, like, this episode to me was just, like, absolutely perfect. Because I was like, oh, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Yeah, the accent makes up for a lot. I can, oh, I mean, I'll tag on to that, that uh, although we hadn't met before, Darren, I did want to do this episode so that I could ask just that specific phenomenon. Like, what's up with Americans' <laughs> misperceptions? Like, how how did this come to be? Like, it's... I don't, I don't know. The weirdest, the weirdest thing, of course, is... You know, like it's it's also a, a bit of a commentary on the fact that Charlie Steron and Dave Thomas, neither of them are English. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Dave Thomas seems to be approximating like a kind of Michael Caine-ish type accent. <laughs> right. You know, when he says about the invisible locks, that seems to be like a very kind of Michael Caine impression he's doing there. And obviously, Charlie Steron seems to be kind of uh, she does a very good accent. Let's put it like that. But she seems to be aiming for like the Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> kind of, um, you know, um, Rennie Zellweger type of kind of like flat English accent where you can't tell what, where she's meant to come from. Wait a minute. Are you um, saying Renee Zellweger yeah. isn't uh, English? <laughs> this podcast is full of revelations for me. Mr. F. Yes. <laughs> for a Texan, she does a very good English accent. That's probably like that. But yeah, Charlie Steron, I think because she's had to mask her real accent like so often, I don't, I can't recall a film where she does a her her native south african accent i think apart from two days in the valley i think is the only time where you get to hear her real accent uh, and even then i think she's trying to hide it a little bit with a kind of an american accent she's got this little arc on the show and I, you know I've, i was also uh, compelled to specifically listen to these episodes of your show to find out how you managed to not make it just can we just talk about charlie's theron for an hour like it could just that could be the <laughs> sub spin-off of the show it's very difficult not to just focus on, so she's on this show. Let's keep talking about that. Yeah. That's actually, that's actually my <laughs> podcast that I'm recording, my Charlize cast. I'm, I'm just getting it off the ground now. It's, it's very difficult getting guests. <laughs> the narrator, after telling us about how her, her English accent masks 
um, you know, her mental retardation. Michael says, you know, she's a good person and there's going to be, you know, everything else is little surprises. And of course the narrator goes, with the exception of that one big one. This is where we find out a tiny piece of George and Lucille's backstory um, where he, he leaps to a certain assumption about why the marriage is taking place so quickly, where he says, just because a woman gets pregnant, you don't have to marry her. And then I like how he, he kind of piles on by saying, Too many lives have been ruined because some cheap waitress at a hojo said she used an IUD. <laughs> and Lucille, of course, just interjects to say, It was stuckies. <laughs> and I love Jeffrey Tambor's kind of like pained, But I believe you. <laughs> and the camera really like, focuses on him saying that and it's like so that's how job came about that's probably why lucille kind of like hates job so much um you know uh and and this is of course where we we get the revelation that they haven't slept together yet because you know she's not pregnant and i don't know why but buster just yells out he's gay yeah um (laughs) and then that leads to a a kind of the, the we find out that he his hook is stuck in the stair car and his hand is, is I don't know, having a, a ring put on him. Mr. Rapato. Which, of course, is a, a reference itself to the fact that Tony Hale did a series of adverts for a car company featuring um, Mr. Roboto. Um, yeah. So, obviously... I remember really, those. Yes, I didn't know that. Yeah, he did. <laughs> I can't remember the car company. Volkswagen. But I do know that he did the... Oh, there you go, then. So, he did, he did Volkswagen ads... Uh, doing the Mr. Roboto dance in a Volkswagen. This is a very hard show to record because it's very difficult not to just kind of sit back and smile and, you know, we get the joy of watching, of doing the episode again. Like, I just want to hear, I just want to read through the transcripts over and over. It's just very funny just to hear <laughs> And, of course, George, um, you know, he he says, do you think getting married will solve your sex problem? To which, which, of course, Michael says, we no, and we don't have a problem. And I, I, I like, of course, how... You know, we get to see. Um, I, I I love this is this is, to me feels like a slight reference to something that will be revealed later, where Rita she says she likes to keep the light on, and I love the way Charlie's there and says, "And I like to keep the light on. That way, I can see if you have a monster." Of, of course. Then they bring the monster yeah. image up. Yeah, that's yeah. good. And of course, Michael is kind of pressured there. And so he kind of just like leaves. Uh, but I like that she keeps her all her clothes on, including one of her many hats. And she just kind of jumps into bed fully clothed and pulls the duvet over herself. And it's, it's such a weird moment. And she's yeah. instantly asleep. Yes. Well, she says she says night night and that's it. She's she's asleep. And Lucille says that they're after the money. And of course, Buster says she's already gotten her money. And of course, Michael says, uh, let's not forget, she, she gave us the idea for that ocean top town called Bluthton. <laughs> and we see a picture of, uh, I don't know, like a, a, a kind of a, a, a small village on an atoll or something. Uh, and, you know, uh, George Sr. reveals that he had that idea years ago. And we see his version had Zeppelins well, wasn't holding it, up this village. Wasn't <laughs> his version like float? His was suspended by Zeppelins and her version, I thought it was just like floating. Like it was like almost like an inflatable raft. No, it's like it looks like it's on like a like an oil rig. Type yeah, structure. exactly. Yeah. But obviously when we see her picture of Sea Britain, it's slightly <laughs> yeah. less complex than the one that Michael has had drawn up. Um, of course, Michael, you know, uh, worried about, you know, the fact that Lucille might be correct. Um, he returns home and we see Tobias in his wheelchair. Um, over the course of the last few episodes, he's got more and more hair plugs and his body is not reacting very well. And, um, (laughs) I like how he says, here comes the bride as Michael comes in. (laughs) Uh, once again, some classic gender flipping there from uh, Tobias. And I like how... Because he's sitting in the wheelchair, which he insists on referring to as a dolly, um, you know, he, he says he's going to videotape the nuptials. And of course, Michael says, uh, I don't think I need any footage of my nuptials. Uh, the camera, of course, being at Michael's crotch height. I, I like that, that Michael kind of concedes and says, are you sure you want in this dolly? Um, isn't this related to your you know, recent health problems? And of course... Tobias, he only has the use of his right arm at this particular yeah. point. This is how bad things have gotten. And I like how he's like, so my legs and le- left arm occasionally go to sleep. <laughs> and it's just like, he's basically like semi-paralyzed in a wheelchair. And yet for some reason he can't kind of admit what's going on. You know, Michael, in a couple of episodes earlier, when they went to see, you know, love indubitably, he <laughs> he had he had started to take on this weird affectation of saying um, British expressions, and I think the writers have fun here 
um, where they, they say that to go up box instead of elevator. And of course, <laughs> Tobias says... Oh, yes, like when they say pufter to mean tourist, yes. That's my favorite um, one. I love that. <laughs> Which, obviously, that is not correct. And I, I like that, um, you know, we find out that each family member, as they've met Rita, you know, obviously... You know, Lucille and, and George Sr. are suspicious of her, uh, you know, which is natural because that's that's what they are. They're naturally suspicious people. Uh, maybe, obviously, you know, she had a good talk with um, with Rita. And this is where we get the title for this particular episode. Um, and, you know, she reacted, you know, quite nicely to her because maybe is a relatively nice person. And we find out she was struggling with the screenplay. Um, and, of course, you know, she, she says... Uh, this film doesn't have an ending. He's in LA, she's in Japan. How do I get these characters together? And of course, Rita's just like, maybe they could walk. And of course, maybe he's like, across across the ocean. But I, I like that Rita says, if it's not too deep. And of course, maybe immediately thinks the ending of the film will be deep, as in people won't understand it. Uh, but Rita is literally meaning if the ocean yeah. isn't too deep. And I, I love in there, too, how I think you were just going to say how then at the end she says, like, you know, nobody will want to say they don't understand it and look dumb. And Rita immediately goes, oh, I, yes, I understand it. I like it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's funny that it kind of uh, kind of in, without realizing it, maybe has kind of made an accusation at Rita and she's immediately trying to kind of deflect it. And of course, maybe then coins the title. Right the ocean walker and says holy crap that's going to look good on a hat and i would just love i'm sure someone has already got them i'm sure someone has already got some hats that have the ocean walker on them somewhere that someone can buy this is where michael goes to job and i love this conversation because job keeps assuming something and michael keeps having to like keep going to get past what he keeps assuming (laughs) where he says he's getting married in a month and of course job says say no more and he's like great um are you sure you know what and he's like yep yep yep, got it and he's like super and he's like and just so we're both clear and then of course joe goes you want me to do a magic show at the wedding i'm on it and of course michael's like so glad we pushed through that no magic (laughs) (laughs) Which, of course, takes us to what essentially is the setup for the end of the episode without you realising it if you're watching for the first time, where we see Michael Blue's wedding video from 1989. And we just hear someone saying, put her out, put her out. And someone else saying, Tracy, Tracy, roll. Um, and, <laughs> and it's shot from such a low angle and there's just kind of like the chaos of legs. Just uh, feet. Yeah, and I think it's quite clever that they kind of set that up just before we, you know, obviously on the next, we'll we'll find out that history repeats itself. I, I like that um, Joe goes, this reminds me, Rita probably shouldn't wear any hairspray at this thing. <laughs> Which is kind of like, he, I like how in the, in the course of Michael saying I'm getting married in a month, he's already planned out some trick that's going to involve something flammable. And so he already knows what to wear. I would argue yes, that illusions. all of his, yes, yes all sorry, of his yeah. illusions are flammable in nature. For the amount of lighter fluid that he tosses around willy-nilly. They're always intended to be somewhat flammable. <laughs> and of course... Clearly is not, but that was the closest I thought we were getting on the series to explaining like, what happened to Tracy. I thought if they went like another two sentences to give some kind of inference... She died of, of cancer. Uh, what? Well, oh. <laughs> See, I wasn't paying attention enough. She was in a coma for a while and then she died. Towards the end, Michael and Tracy weren't even speaking is how um, Lindsay phrased it. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> which Michael says a lot of that was the coma um, <laughs> pulling, us, so... pulling us out of this deep comedy vein we switch over to Darren <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway so of course Michael is insisting it's not a best man I like that Job labelling it as best man says he's going to get him the single healthiest call girl the town has ever seen um, <laughs> and as he as he kind of leaves he spanks Michael as well it's just like a whole series of you know things that make michael say well this may have been a bad choice um which of course at the end of the episode we'll find out pretty much it was um and i like of course uh you know rita and Lindsay enter wearing their jackets inside out (laughs) with their riding hats on and pigtails like very kind of strong kind of like pigtails that stick up uh and i I, (laughs) such both wearing backpacks I, I don't know. The whole, the whole look is kind of very weird. 
Uh, and of course, Michael greeting them says, look at you two, Tweedledee and Tweedledum. And of course, the narrator has to step in and say, Michael didn't mean it in that way. How could he? He didn't even know. Yeah. <laughs> and I like that the logic of wearing the clothes inside out so people can see the the labels because that's what you're paying for. And then, of course, Rita says, it doesn't tickle your neck. And I like how when Charlie Stearman starts kind of doing this weird girlish giggle, um, Portia de Rossi joins in and they are kind of like twins. Yeah. It's, it's uh, And of course, as Rita goes to go to the toilet, she has the bags up and she just doesn't fit through the door. And then she makes a second attempt and she just kind of pulls the bags through. And obviously Michael isn't looking at that, so he doesn't see it. But I just like how even, you know, like they, the character obviously can't get clever all of a sudden. But up until this point, anything to do with the kind of MRF stuff has just been small hints. But now that kind of the viewer knows, everything she does is just deliberate and kind of... Like if if Michael was just watching her for more than two seconds, he would see it, but he just can't. I, I think it's a credit to the writing and to Charlize Theron's acting in there because it really is kind of like riding a line. Like the idea of somebody saying, I'm wearing the clothes inside out as a fashion statement isn't on its face of it totally ridiculous. Like there's people I could think of that actually would like go, well, that's yes, that is actually kind of a good idea. And so that it's. That's what I really love about it is like, yes, if he was paying close attention, he would. But they did such a good job of having the examples and then her carrying them out to make it realistic and feasible. Yeah. When people ask about the show and, and you say, oh, it's got so many layers in it. And then they say back to you, that's what everybody says when they love a show. Like, oh, it's got so many layers. Ooh, you know, it's very deep. But in this one, I'm really uh, impressed with that comment that this show, the sitcom in general as a whole, has so many layers it's so dense they pack so much into like one you get so much out of one line with the the text of the line and the acting and the way it's part of some larger story in the fact that she's wearing this jacket with other layers and she's got layers of a hat in that uh, <laughs> it's all about depth and and surface um I, it's just incredible that it, it plays out metaphorically and literally Lindsay suggests that they go to a hotel so obviously michael goes to prepare for that and as he does, we see that Job is already preparing for his magic trick for Michael's wedding. And I like how um, something obviously that magicians do anyway is like you, you, you have several ways to do a, t a trick. And if one way happens, then obviously, you know, you keep going with a certain line. But if something goes wrong, you have to have a way to do like a backup. And I like how Job is demonstrating this in the worst way possible where he goes. The king takes his queen and showers her with diamonds and then he sees it, it's clubs and he goes club sauce he covers her with club sauce and it's like that's not a good cover line and i i just i just love how kind of terrible that is um and i do love as well that when charlie's theron says um i love magic job goes i don't appreciate the dry british humor and it's, uh, it's only kind of when she's on her knees begging that he actually starts doing a trick and i i like as well that job goes um he goes i shouldn't I'd hate to be blamed for setting another one of Michael's brides. And then, of course, he goes on fire. And as he does it, the lighter fluid kind of like squirts out from his jacket again. <laughs> and, of course, Rita goes, but wherever did it come from? Which, of course, is always the line that Job uses as a cover. Um, so it's a, quite a nice little kind of callback to all the times where Job has been like, but where did the lighter fluid come from? <laughs> I like as well how he asks if she can hold her breath. And she says 20 minutes. And the narrator goes, her record was 20 seconds. And of course, she starts holding her breath. And then Job is like, okay, I'll take it for you. I just need to find a trick that puts you out of oxygen for 20 minutes. <laughs> um, uh, which I, which I, just, I just, I like as well how Michael hears the word trick. Um, for some reason, Job didn't correct himself and say illusion. And then, of course, he says, what if a trick has a flute to the altar? Again, he's not using the word illusion. So I don't know what's going on with the... Uh, Job there. And of course, you know, <laughs> this is where he starts questioning the different things they can do and Michael starts ruling them out. That he doesn't want her to drown or fly through the air or catch on fire. Um, he says no tigers. <laughs> it's just like a whole list of things that obviously Michael must have seen Job do unsuccessfully and he decides to kind of rule them all out. Even that was a multi-layered thing, like isn't it She's not allergic, is she? And he goes right to the... Yeah, to tigers. Uh, she's not allergic to cats or fur? <laughs> yeah, is she, is she allergic to cat fur? And he's like, no tigers. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he knows his brother so well. And of course, this is where Michael tells Rita about them going to the hotel. 
um, and she she says maybe our rooms could touch, um, and obviously Michael says you know maybe they could be in the same room in the same bed, and then of course this is where Rita you know calls it a, a real sleepover, um, and then you know she she decides to go home to get her jammies and her tiny teddy, and I like how Michael's like oh good get that, uh, you know believing this to be the item of lingerie. Um, when, of course, uh, we will find out that it is definitely not that. Now, there is a there was a, a short cut scene, only a little bit, that kind of added a bit more to um, some of the stuff that George Michael and Michael do. They kind of discuss a little bit about Rita. Um, it, it didn't really add a, a, a ton of extra stuff, but there was a, a line where he referred to a camera as a, a telegun, <laughs> which I thought was a funny kind of fake Britishism. Um, and of course it leads to, um, George Michael, um, driving Rita to Wee Britain. And, um, this is possibly the best way that they reveal, uh, Rita's condition as George Michael, they listen to some music and of course, um, hot potato. <laughs> yeah, she, the, the, the song is hot potato, hot potato. And of course Rita starts singing hot potato, hot potato. <laughs> Um, and, and I, I, I like, I like how this is, this is when George Michael grew concerned and we're kind of around like the halfway mark and George Michael is in essence, the first family member to kind of figure out what's going on with Rita. Uh, and from this point on, basically everyone will gradually find out and react in slightly different ways. It's funny because George Michael's way to react is to film Rita doing stuff and then use that as evidence, as we'll see later on, which is an odd way to do things. But, you know, and also, of course, they only use the one tape that they seem to keep recording over yeah. and over and over. <laughs> yes. um, and the Star Wars tape. This is where um, we get Trevor, um, <laughs> some, some very strange language um, in this whole exchange. Um, where, you know, Trevor tries to warn Rita about what a sleepover is. This is this is where <laughs> where we we find out that Trevor has a magazine uh, labelled Bum Paddle magazine, and it has a I don't know I don't know who who covered this, but there is a a kind of weird English cover version of All You Need Is Smiles, um, which yes. accompanies the shot of Bum Paddle magazine. Rita <laughs> talks about the grown up fun she wants, which she says spoon and figgy pudding. Rabbit Town, <laughs> Dumb Druggery's Hollow, and she wants to have Pop Pop. And this is possibly one of my favourite callbacks because, of course, you know, this is where Trevor says, the very fact you call it that tells me that you're not ready. Um, yeah. <laughs> and later on in the episode, there will be a flip of that. Um, and he, he, he tries to tell us that, of course, Bumpled at Paddle Magazine is just a cricket uh, magazine. And I like how they, they put up a cricket magazine next to Bum Paddle magazine. And one of the headlines is, um, I, th I can't remember, it's like, why why do um, somebody yeah, drink? I it was like, remember. why do clubbers drink or something like that? <laughs> and so it, it's kind of funny how quickly, it's almost like the show is kind of contradicting Trevor straight away. Yeah. They're not even letting him have this lie. Um, and of course, this is where he says that he has problem with um, with with Rita having sexual relations with that man, and the narrator goes, "So do I." Yeah. Um, <laughs> and this is where we get, uh, oddly enough, you know, for most of season two, this wasn't really much of a storyline, but we we've started in recent episodes to get back towards the whole cousins thing, and this is where Trevor reveals that Rita's parents were cousins, um, and obviously, you know, he's taking care of them. Um, which of course raises the question as to who Uncle Trevor is related to, like um, because obviously he probably will be related to both of those uh, of, of Rita's parents. Um, and <laughs> this yeah. is where Rita, to kind of anger Trevor, starts singing about being married and just says "married, married, married." <laughs> Such a weird kind of <laughs> kind of like super childish thing. And then of course Trevor puts invisible locks on the door. I don't. It, this is just such a strange joke but i just love how they do it screaming in my head for i know there's the uh that npr website that that diagrams the, all the the time lapse and how many jokes carry forward or repeat yes um but they also they need to draw one that's got all the the layers in there like i like having the the cousins joke as a new layer on top of the you know the the george michael and and maybe thing from all the way from the pilot. I just like how these things stack on top of each other like the little nesting dolls. And also, of course, um, you know, 
there i think it's the next episode or the episode after that where there's a reference to when michael says something about george michael and maybe's kids and obviously george has this just michael has this really kind of stuttery speech where he keeps kind of like and it's 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 always like kind of little jokes like that where where he's he's kind of like gets very nervous and no one kind of understands why he's nervous and then they just kind of ignore it um but yeah and you know this is where we get it's kind of having George senior back and under house arrest, um, you know, obviously it gives the third season a slightly different feel to seasons one and two because, you know, he interacts with more of the family. But I find it interesting here that we have George senior on the phone with Michael, because obviously Michael, you know, he calls from the hotel yeah. and, you know, to taunt George senior. And then they basically <laughs> kind of spend the entire night on the phone and they watch some like E! True Hollywood stories. And I I just kind of love this relationship being done in this way in this episode because it's such a weird thing for them to do. And I like as well how, you know, he, he lies and says that, you know, she's in the shower. And I like how the narrator tells us that Michael briefly considered faking Rita's voice. I, I especially love how George Scenes is like, I got nowhere to go. I'm under house arrest. Let's watch something together. And they watch... <laughs> Like TV shows while they're on the phone. Yeah. The Blossom. <laughs> yeah. Flash to a writer's room and you think, I wonder how many actresses they went through before they got just the perfect <laughs> the perfect one to use. Boy, that Blossom yeah. really grew up. Which at the time, obviously, um, I think uh, she was doing her master's or um, her PhD, should I say. Um, so I don't think she was acting anymore. So obviously it could have been realistic to do a kind of like where are they now type story then. But obviously now she's on the Big Bang Theory, which is the highest rate sitcom. So I think everyone knows where <laughs> Mayan Balik is these days. In the heyday, though, those true Hollywood stories, it got to a certain point where they were doing them on, like, the second elf puppet. Like, because just there's only so <laughs> many that you can get in where you start going, like, do you remember this one guy from Seventh Heaven? Everybody's like, no. They're like, well, here's his true Hollywood story anyway. And now he works at Sonic. Michael has to admit that, you know, he called prematurely. Um, and they basically fall asleep together and then wake up the next morning. And I like how George Sr. wakes up and he's like, hey, put Rita on, <laughs> just as an instinct. <laughs> and then the narrator reveals that local calls are two ninety five a minute. So God knows how much that phone call cost. <laughs> like, let's just pretend they were on the phone for about like eight hours. What's that? I mean... You know, that's like uh, let's just call it three dollars a minute. Oh, yeah. and that's, we have to do math that's like now. that's like a that's like a hundred and eighty dollars an hour. I mean, that's that's insane. That's too much. Michael goes to Wee Britain, and I like how, of course, Rita has been trapped all night by the invisible locks. Through the door, he can't quite understand what she's saying, so he keeps going. Can you let me in? Can I come in? And she's like, I can't let you in. And you know, there's a whole thing where he's mad because she didn't show up, but she's like. I like how she's like, I can't see half the locks, yeah. <laughs> which is such an odd thing. And she says, they're invisible. Trevor's the only one who can see them. And obviously Michael doesn't hear any of that. And I, I love as well, the, the, one of the stupidest jokes they ever do is as Michael goes to, you know, climb up the outside of the building, Rita opens the door and goes, be careful. And he goes, I will. And then she closes the door and it's like, <laughs> I mean. Two seasons and five episodes. We can do this dumb gag. Because you're going to love it anyways. Yeah, it's such... Which I did. It's so great. And of course, <laughs> the narrator tells us, you know, so Michael set about rescuing the beautiful, sweet, mentally challenged woman he'd fallen in love with without realizing she was mentally challenged. Trevor comes back and goes, who undid the locks? Which is just like so weird that he's kind of still keeping up the bit. <laughs> Uh, obviously, you know, Michael and Rita then run away, as they did in the On the Next in the previous episode, but, you know, we've come back around here. I, I like, of course, how Michael takes time to gloat, saying nothing in the world of man, nor beast, nor time, and then, of course, he gets hit once more for the last time by the Poppins. <laughs> um, and <laughs> I love how <laughs> George... When he finds out that, you know, Michael has rescued Rita, he goes... God help her if she tries to rename Bluth, then I'll sink it first. I swear I'll sink the whole damn thing. <laughs> um, it makes it, it makes it look like Wee Britain is literally like one and a half blocks. And so in this one and a half block, like, <laughs> it just, everything flips. And that's what's so great. And even the people that are walking around in the background are dressed like... Like, I don't know if they're supposed to... They all look like John Cleese. Yeah. 
<laughs> like, I don't know if they're actors that are working there or tourists that are coming down or it's just it's so great. I was watch like on, on the rewatch I was I kept trying to use it so I could see did they place any famous British people in there that I never knew? Because I just thought, like, I'm going to see Hugh Grant, like, pop out of the corner or something. <laughs> Which clearly, that it doesn't be, happen, it, but I keep thinking it's going to happen. It would be great gonna... if they, it would be great if they had done that, if they'd taken it to that point where there were, like, actual, like, famous British people in Wee Britain. Well, um, or somebody doing a silly walk, like, just in the corner yeah. of your eye. Darren, <laughs> do you know what the sign says yes. for the Poppins? I can only ever catch the very bottom part of it where it says, not the tourist killing kind. <laughs> basically telling people to watch out for the poppins no i haven't i ha i it's one i guess it's one of those background jokes that i can't you can never yeah, it, quite pause and yeah it's, it's something to the effect of you know i am a mary poppins but not the tourist killing kind so please watch your step because <laughs> like, it's constantly coming down it's like the fourth time michael's been hit by it as well like he should know by now seriously like just don't stand where that is everyone who's standing around waiting for the poppins he knows that now um now, of course, Trevor shows up um, and, and, you know, he talks about how she's not capable of making a decision like marriage. Um, and he says, you're not going to get Rita's millions just because she's mentally challenged. And I like how both George and Lucille hear the word millions and Buster hears mentally challenged. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, which speaks to their character, of course. And I love how Lucille shushes Buster and says it's not polite. Um, and we find out, of course, that she owns all of Wee Britain and uh, Wee Britain in Cleveland, which I don't know why I love that joke, but it's just such a, it's almost like the on The Simpsons where they talk about uh, Dollywood and how there's like a, a Dollywood in like yeah. Utah so or something. And, I, uh, I live in Pittsburgh, which is two hours away from Cleveland and is topographically similar. And it's just it's even better if you've ever been to Cleveland, picturing there being this little wee Britain in the middle of Cleveland. And I mean, I'm not going to disparage Cleveland, but it's got some rougher areas. And I like to picture that, like, they just put a wee Britain in, like, the middle of, like, this economically depressed area that looks just like the one from the show. From what I understand, Cleveland has quite a high Polish population. So there is probably, like, a little Poland in there somewhere. Probably. I mean, the um, same is true of Pittsburgh. Yeah. So, well, but it it made me think of the like the Simpsons of um just a Euro their their visions of Euro Disney, like that. <laughs> you know, you have these cut and paste versions or drag and drop. I'm just going to pick this up and franchise it and put it in all these other places, and it'll be the same. And it just doesn't yeah. make any sense. Speaking of which, of course, this is where we get the joke, of course, about you know Michael doesn't know about her condition, um, and of course Trevor saying, "Yeah, it's funny how Americans don't pick up on that." I think it's because of her accent and a plastic surgery she's been able to afford. And this is where we get the picture of Charlie Theron in her Oscar-winning role in Monster. Talking of, you know, franchised places, this is where Lucille says that they've gone to Legoland, which, of course, is a callback <laughs> all the way to the start of season two. Um, and George goes, they did say Legoland. And, of course, Buster, once again, he's like, I didn't hear anything about Legoland. And of course, this is where Lucille says... We think he may be mentally challenged. <laughs> I love I love Buster's level of concern about things. Like he hears, he's like, "What? What do you mean, Legoland? Who went right. without me?" This is the point in the show when you realize this is a very good television program. And of course, as Trevor leaves to go to Legoland, George and Lucille are now plotting um, together. Um, you know, this being their natural reaction to finding out that they could be marrying into money, um, and you know. George says <laughs> they've got 24 hours to get them married before Michael figures out what she really is, which is a very odd way of putting it. Um, and of course, you know, Lucille is, is very happy at, at this. Michael and uh, Rita are at the hotel and I like that she goes, um, I want to have sexual relations. And Michael says, the mere fact that you call it that tells me that you are ready. Yes. Um, which That's kinda, so good. I think is is the capita that entire joke running for like the last season and a half. Uh, Rita goes, that's why I brought this, revealing that she has a cricket bat. Um, <laughs> and of course, he, he, he says, you know, why don't you go ahead and whip out that tiny teddy uh, and we're going to think up a fun safe word, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and we find out that George Michael is at the door and he has... As we see the cricket bat, of course, Michael makes the excuse that they just got back from the bum paddle courts. He says, tomorrow I'm teaching her baseball. <laughs> <laughs> this is where George Michael reveals that he, in the time since, you know, Michael decided to get married, like, he's he's basically recorded Rita 
doing various things. You know, this is where we get the call back to the tape. Um, and then we see Rita eating plastic grapes and then just spitting them out. <laughs> and I like how she eats the first one. And Michael goes, it is very convincing fruit. And then, of course, <laughs> as she goes to the second one, he's like, is she, is she going back in for another? Yeah. Um, well, no, she starts with the apple. And, and then he goes, oh, she's going in for the banana. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and oh, now she's starting <laughs> on the grapes. <laughs> you think of her eating the chocolate at the end of the prior episode. She yeah. figured that one out. So maybe she thought these were chocolate-covered fruits, too. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Uh, and then, of course... You know, this is Michael says they don't even have bananas in England, which is not true. Uh, much <laughs> like something that he's about to say in a little bit about the number of um, houses of parliament. Yeah, I wanted to ask um, you about that. And, <laughs> well, that and I still we'll don't know. It, we'll get to it in a second because, of course, George Michael, he says at this point, he says, I think she might be retarded. Um, and then this is where Rita jumps in with where she says, say hello to my tiny teddy. And then she pulls out a little teddy bear. And he whispers something in her ear and she gasps and says, Tiny Teddy! And then he starts just kind of like jumping around. And this is where we get like a flashback to basically every single clue in the last kind of like four episodes, one after the other. Um, and then, of course, it finishes with Michael saying, I've made a huge mistake. Um, hey, that's the name of your show. All the clues are there. And when you watch this episode, like you can go back and you can see them like kind of laying out the breadcrumbs for what will be this revelation. The narrator sums it up by saying Michael had just been shown that his fiance might be mentally challenged, but he needed proof, which I think is kind of odd. <laughs> yeah. But like, I mean, I guess if it's Charlie's Theron, if she looks like that and she sounds like that, you're thinking to yourself, I don't know, I need more proof. I can't just have her trying to eat, you know, plastic fruit um, as proof of this. Um, and, you know, he, he asks about how many houses there are in the British Parliament. And, of course, she says seven. And I like how Michael goes, are there? And the narrator <laughs> says, the answer is three. Um, but, but, but the funny thing is, of course, is there aren't three. There are only two. So it's like a double joke about how Americans you, don't know how, how many houses in the Parliament You cut out there at the very end. <laughs> Just to let you know. So you said, <laughs> there are actually, and then it cut out. So for anybody that's listening... It is too. <laughs> we understood that. But I like I like as as well that the joke could be that if you're an American <laughs> and you hear them correct it to like the correct answer is three, you still might not be sure. So, you know, it, it kind of it's almost insulting the audience a little bit. <laughs> you know, which I think is something else that maybe this is why the show only lasted three seasons on four. I read something online because I went to look it up and they said that it could be that the writers <laughs> thought they were talking about the, um, what was it? They're not, not chambers, but there are three parts of it. And there's basically the House of Commons, the House of Lords, and then the royalty, which would be the king or queen. So I don't remember what it was. It wasn't uh, three. Yeah, but the thing is, the queen sits in the House of Lords. Well, there we go. She's not a separate part. <laughs> I think it's just a meta joke about like the ignorance of Americans, basically. Well, there's no shortage of that, so we're good. <laughs> I don't think I follow. Yeah. What do you mean? Could you explain this to me <laughs> with more course. of a laugh track, please? <laughs> Perhaps with some nerds. Rita herself calls back to a different joke where she says, Rita Corny Michael. <laughs> uh, which recalls both, you know, uh, George Sr. and Lucille have told Michael that at different times that they were horny. And then she does... Um, and then, you know... And then she does Lucille's wink at that point. <laughs> which yeah. I meant to say, it, but when Michael is talking to... Um, to his sister earlier in the show, she does Lucille's wink. So it's in, it's inferring that like Lucille gave the wink to her daughter who then showed it to, um, Charlize Theron while they were out shopping. And then she busts it out <laughs> when they're trying to have sexy time. And of course we get another callback here where, you know, uh, Michael, after saying they should wait until they're married and Rita, of course, saying married, 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 and then jump in and go to sleep saying night, night. Michael has a $15 thing of candy beans. That's um, and it's such a great turn of phrase, the thing of candy beans. Um, and Yeah, why is that so great? I was hoping you guys could tell me why I love that so much. I don't, I don't know, because it's, it's just a weird way to refer to stuff, isn't it? It's like, instead of giving it any kind of measurement, it's just a thing. What it sounds um, to me like is, if you ever spend time in hotels that have like those mini bars, sometimes, if you're in a really nice place, 
um, they'll have things that are like brand name. It'll be like Coke products and Snickers bars. And you'll go to somewhere that's a little more low rent and it's like, yeah. here are cracker brand <laughs> crackers and soda brand soda. And so I like the idea that it's just like candy beans because they can't even call them jelly beans. A, a thing of candy yeah. beans. Yeah. Um, and of course, the following morning, we get to the big, everything, everyone kind of, you know, at this point, we've got, you know, my, uh, Michael, um, George Michael, um, uh, George Senior, uh, Lucille and Buster, of course, all know uh, what is going on with Rita. Um, so everyone shows up for the surprise wedding the next morning. Um, and of course, <laughs> Larry Mittelman is there um, in, for his final scene <laughs> as the surrogate. Um, and um, I like how Larry says, on us, everything you see. And George is like, show them the waffle bar, Larry. And he's like, it's over there. <laughs> Bob Einstein's kind of blank line reading of that uh, is so great. And of course, Job is back with his checkout banner, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, I'm going to go set up, which of course, Michael has been very clear that he doesn't want any magic at this wedding. So, so that should key Michael into something that's about to happen. And I think it bears noting what the what the actual banner says, isn't it? Michael love Mary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Following the tradition. Go ahead. Uh, like even if if somehow there was a person who didn't appreciate any of the humor in the show, like just pretend that person exists. At this point in the episode, the high the quality of acting from every single character with every line read and every scene. It's just unparalleled, just, you know, like uh, Larry's line reading and the way uh, Job plays off everything. Like, everything everybody says, uh, I was just thinking, too, I'm still stuck on the thing of candy beans. Like, Michael's <laughs> sitting there and the face that he makes, it's just so perfect. Yeah. Like, I don't know how they do it. Uh, Larry, once again, reveals something. <laughs> I love as well, I like how Larry tries things on, <laughs> where he's like, he wants to kiss his new daughter-in-law. And George is like, not on our time, Larry. And, you know, Rita goes upstairs uh, with, um, with, uh, oh, God, what the hell's Portia de Ross's name? Lindsay. Lindsay. There we go. Rita goes upstairs with Lindsay uh, to put her dress on inside out. <laughs> And this is where Michael finds out that everyone else knows because Larry, you know, Lucille's trying to kind of play along. And then Larry goes, yeah, with the exception of the retard thing. <laughs> and then, of course, George goes, oh, God. And then we cut back to Larry going, tell me you did not just yeah. say that. And I like how he keeps saying all this stuff. <laughs> Even when he's like, you didn't say that. He just keeps saying it. It's so great. Uh, and then That's... Lucille, she has one of my favorite lines where she goes, What can I say? I'm crazy about the little dullard. <laughs> I love that, uh, what you just pointed out when Larry just repeats back what, like, you didn't just say what I just said, did you? <laughs> and of course... I have a favorite scene in um, in Bojack Horseman, which Job is also in, in he's Bojack Horseman. Um, Mr. Peanut Butter has a banner of um, something about his wedding, and, and the whole banner says, Mr. Peanut Butter, Mr. Peanut Butter is one word, don't write that. <laughs> and the whole thing is... The whole thing is written on the banner. Yeah, I, that is like a running joke in that show of 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 people being given instructions over the phone and putting the entire instruction and not just the thing <laughs> yeah. that they want. Um, but this is, of course, where Larry gets fired. Uh, Larry actually says out loud, "Larry, go to a mirror." <laughs> <laughs> Rather than just going to a mirror, he says it out loud, and then, of course, George says, "You're fired," and Larry repeats it, and then he's like, "What? It's over." And this is how you tell me in the middle of a wedding, you shouldn't have said anything. You shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> like he's having both sides of the conversation, but he just keeps saying everything. And I'm thinking, Larry, that is why you got fired because you just kept saying everything. Um, and while that is happening, of course, Michael figures out she's rich. And that is the only reason, you know, uh, and, you know, this is where George Michael <laughs> makes some of his own feelings known where he says in some states it's legal to marry your own cousin. California's blocked it twice, but that's because they tacked it onto an estate law thing that wasn't going to pass. And we had the signatures. <laughs> and I like how Michael takes this as evidence that, that George Michael is intelligent and not, <laughs> not that George Michael has some agenda. And it is worth noting that it is actually legal in California to marry your first cousin. 
There is no oh my there gosh. is no law against it. I like how it, Michael says she probably can't list the seven houses of parliament and George Michael goes, There's three. <laughs> <laughs> I actually I found the thing is that it said that there are three components to Parliament, the House of Lords, the House of Commons, and the king slash queen in Parliament. What do I know? And of course Michael spells out here that, you know, there wouldn't be any real intimacy and uh and it would be the strongest marriage in the family. But, you know, much as I'd like to, you can't ignore the fact that she's mentally disabled. And, of course, as as he says that, Lindsay walks out and she goes, oh, my God, I'm wearing an inside-out bridesmaid's dress. Um, Which is, you know, and, of course, as Rita, you know, goes to leave, he says, you know, that's not going to be easy. She's an Olympic silver. And then he stops and he goes, just figured that one out. Um, yep. And of course, maybe says, I'm going to have to stop production on the Ocean Walker, you know, which suggests that maybe found the idea so compelling that she basically went into production overnight on the Ocean Walker, uh, showing the power that maybe has managed to get out of the studio. And I, I actually really like kind of the final scene between Rita and Michael. It's topped with one of the greatest jokes this show has ever done. But before that, it's very sweet, um, you know, where Rita says you found out. Uh, and I, I like as well how she says, Maybe you're not smart either. I didn't know until they told me. Uh, which I think is such a sweet line because it's it's kind of, you know, Rita seems perfectly happy. You know, she seems happy going to Slowbrook. You know, she doesn't mind, like, working for chocolate medals. Um, you know, when she was at the train timetable, she ate the train timetable, like, the instructions. <laughs> I don't know. You know, she seemed to, she didn't mind that, like... She seems to enjoy herself, you know, um, uh, you know, and I-, I like how when Michael says, I'm just a narcissist who was te- too self-involved to see the truth, Rita goes, that makes no sense to me. Which, which of course, Michael takes as her saying that he's being hard on himself, but obviously she just means it's a lot of words she doesn't understand. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, Those are big words. <laughs> yeah. And I like that he says, you know, she's beautiful and sweet and deserves to find someone like her. Um, and he doesn't think that either of them will be happy. And, you know, it like this storyline kind of has a level of kind of absurdity to it with the whole kind of James Bond themes and, you know, the various kind of weird spy stuff that for some reason led to nothing and all the different hats. And, you know, like there's, there's certain things about this storyline that are kind of very stupid. But I think this kind of the ending with Michael and Rita, you know, it feels very real um, and... I like how she finishes by saying it's bye-bye to Rita then. Um, which is something that she said the very first time that she met him. Um, so it's a nice little callback to that. Oh, I didn't catch that. And, and and then, of course, Trevor pulls up and he's just like, Oi, Rita, time to go now. <laughs> he kind of just interrupts In them. his Legoland uh, t-shirt. <laughs> yes, yeah, because obviously yes. <laughs> he had to go to Legoland and while you're there, you know, you've got to get a t-shirt, don't you? <laughs> Um, in the entire season, uh, since beginning of season two, where Legoland was first mentioned, I think he's the first and only person to actually go there. Um, whereas Michael keeps saying he's going to look into tickets and various things. This is where Rita says, you know, will you come and visit me? And he says, it's going to be difficult. You're going to be across an ocean. And then, of course, you know, she says, well, you can always walk. And Michael says, not on water. And then Rita says, you're such a grown up. And then, of course, she just walks on water. And this, of course, is a reference to um, a film called Being There, um, which stars Peter Sellers. It's a great film. Yeah. yeah. And, of course, the idea is that Peter Sellers was also mentally retarded. And he walked on water because he didn't know he couldn't walk on water. That's essentially the ending of the film. Um, and it's also, I think, the poster as well. It's just him on water with, like, an umbrella. And everyone thinks he's really clever because he never... He just kind of agrees with everybody and just kind of nods. And everyone thinks he's a genius. Um, and that, I feel that's kind of a bit of a, a play on, on you know, on what the whole Rita thing is. Uh, but this episode just ends with... As, as Rita is walking on water... It just ends with Michael turning to Job and saying, Hang on a sec, that's part of your trick, right? And Job going, No. That's not my trick, Michael. And then we, we fade to white, and then we get the narrator saying, On the next Arrested Development, and then Job goes, 
It's my illusion. And I just love, <laughs> I love the fact that they save the punchline to that joke for the on the next. It's like such a great, possibly the greatest way they've ever used that because it plays with the form of the show so much. Like the fact that Job has to correct the word trick to illusion. The fact that the on the next is like, you know, a, a, a kind of different segment. Everything about that, that kind of that, that quick ending is so like well Time. The first time that I yeah. saw this episode, they totally got me with that because everything preceding that is so sweet <laughs> and so like, like that, like the the idea of magical realism all of a sudden showing up at the end of that episode was like, okay, yeah. And then they cut to is like my illusion, and I lost <laughs> my mind. I remember like, how did I not see that? Like, and this is like the first time I saw it. I was just like blown away by how great that was for like for a show in its <laughs> third season. Like it's amazing that it can kind of use the form of the actual show, like to such effect this far in. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, this is where Michael relives his wedding nightmare, and we basically see a complete recreation of the 1989 wedding video from the same angle, because of course the camera is in um, Tobias's lap. And this actually sets up something for the next episode, because Tobias goes, "My hair, my beautiful hair." Which means all of his like hair plugs have essentially been like uh, burned off his head, um, and then Michael going push him in the pool. <laughs> then of course, <laughs> Tobias screaming at the end. Why am I not going underwater? They're gone. Why am I not going underwater? <laughs> like my favorite. Kind of I am end ashamed to any episode. That's the joke that today I was like. Oh, son of a bitch. Like, that was the one. I don't know why. I guess the first couple times I watched it, I thought that everyone was, like, doing everything but throwing him in the pool. Like, people were trying to, like, put him out other ways. And so just, yeah, I know. And I was just, like, I was watching it. I was like, oh, it's, it was right there. How did I not see that? So is there anything else that we need to discuss about this episode? I think the only thing I would say real quick is I looked it up while we were while we were doing things, and it's, why do batsmen drink? The title on the top of real. Oh yeah, drink. batsmen. Yeah. yeah, which is also nice. That makes the, sense. In the same place on the bum paddle is a visit from the SWAT team. <laughs> 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 yeah. uh, which reveals that Americans wrote that joke because SWAT teams aren't a thing over here. Can you remind me when did you start watching the show? I watched the. It was shown on BBC Two. It was about three months after it been on in America. And it was shown at like okay. 10 o'clock on like a Sunday night. And I missed the pilot, but I saw episode two. And then BBC Two repeated the pilot like in the week on, I don't know, like a Tuesday night or something. So I then caught up with the pilot. And then I watched like every episode after that. What is a special joy to have this little We Britain arc. Yeah, it's, it's weird because this is my favorite just because I like watching the Rita episodes back to back to back. Because it's just one long arc. Um... And it's always my, like, if I'm going to watch any, I'll just put that DVD in, first DVD of season three, and I'll just watch all those. Every every character's reaction to learning about uh, Rita, uh, Rita's uh, full identity, reveals something about their character. And I, I just like that the thing it reveals about each of the characters is how their specific version of being self-involved, so that maybe this is all about the film that she's making, and... Uh, you know, of course, uh, Lucille and George are all about the, the money that's going to get them. And uh, Job is just about how it relates to his magic career. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, the, Michael is Michael's a lot more, um, he's not infantile, but his, his innocence, not just because of believing it, but the way he kind of needs, he's a little needier throughout this one, seems to come out more to the fore than it does in a lot of the other episodes. Yeah. And I think as well, like the fact that George Michael has like, you know, he doesn't. He really doesn't want to reveal what's going on with Rita. He, like he's trying to do it in the gentlest possible way, just by showing a video of her eating plastic fruit. Like that, he can't actually say what he thinks is going on until he's shown that, and he's kind of like he's very reluctant to say what's going on with her. And I think that also kind of shows, you know, how kind of how kind he is, because he's like he doesn't he doesn't want to break up. Like this relationship, you know, he can see that his dad's happy, yeah, yeah. and he so reluctant. It's, more it's yeah, he's like so reluctant that he 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 doesn't want to reveal it, but he feels also obligated to the fact that he he can't 
let his father enter into this relationship like this. Uh, then we'll go to plugs, and I'll start with Matt. Is there anything you need to plug, Matt? Well, in early March here in Pittsburgh, I'll be helping a friend of mine do a one-woman show called This Is Why We Can't Have Nice Things at Off The Wall Theatre here in Pittsburgh. Um, also, keep your eyes peeled for my Charlize cast, uh, pending pending legal action <laughs> from Ms. Theron. Uh, but I, she's not going to get the restraining order. She doesn't have enough hard evidence. Um, <laughs> other than that, I'd like to say that in case I didn't make it clear earlier, I do find Darren to be a charming human being, and I have no animosity for him. <laughs> I didn't think I made that clear enough earlier. And Ben, I know you have a podcast that you wish to plug. Uh, it's Various Breads and Butters. We're a very hyper-local podcast, so by its very structure, it could never be super popular. I teach at a small liberal arts college, and it's a friend of mine, and I... And uh, we ostensibly talk about small college life, although we um, almost never stay on topic. And uh, I, I do think it could have wider appeal, but nobody could ever possibly know that because um, there's just, you know, tens of thousands of podcasts. But uh, you should all listen. You two yes. should uh, be big fans. You have gained a listener today, <laughs> sir. <laughs> we uh, Yeah, we have episodes every two weeks. Um, so... Uh, um, I don't know. Coming sometimes we have um, uh, people who aren't f from the college. So uh, I've written in the past and worked with uh, the website McSweeney's. We had the um, the editor of McSweeney's on there. We, we had John Hodgman a couple weeks ago, or maybe a couple months ago. Um, yeah. And uh, we had a, a guy who was a friend of a friend who's a, a senior editor at the Onion. So maybe every six or eight, there's a uh, non-college related person just to make it seem like we have reach. I can we... the illusion. <laughs> yes, the illusion indeed. Can we follow you on Twitter? You can follow us on Twitter at some later date. Great stuff. Thanks for joining me, both of you. Thanks Absolutely. for having us. And otherwise, goodbye. All right. See ya.